Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. What we have is life, and it's free. So if somebody has the gall, the audacity to walk into our little place in Indiana and sell us, I know how much it was, but I'm not going to say, a vacuum cleaner like that, or somebody has the audacity to, to, to sell you these things that they come up, knock on your door, and try to sell you. We can't work up enough gumption in our spirit to offer somebody eternal life and the love of Jesus Christ through the blood that was shed for that person. You know what I'm saying? Like people will, will they'll, they'll sell you swampland. They'll sell you anything, you know, with, with, with a smile and a straight face, you know, and conviction in their voice. And we can't offer somebody the most precious gift that's ever been given. Amen. And I don't want that to be a, a negative thing. I just want to remind you, you've got something worth saying. You do. You, ha- you have something that's more important to say than, than any seed, the gift of eternal life that you can share, that you know, the love of Jesus Christ, that you can, the gospel, the good news. Gospel, the word gospel means the good news. You've got good news. Amen. Praise God. So share it, especially around this time. Amen. Praise the Lord. This morning I want to, I want to dwell, I want to focus on and uh, preach about the importance of the word of God. The Word of God, the Holy Bible. You know, for some of you, um, the Bible is just kind of a Christian uh, byword. It's an institution. It's a little bit of a manual. You know, it kind of comes with it. Um, it's, uh, but we don't look at it maybe the way that we should. The Word of God is supernatural. It's powerful. It can, you know, our Bible contains the, 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 the unfolding of the plan of God, not just for our world and for our, our country, but for our own lives. It's even individual. The Word of God is so rich. And I can always tell when someone's been in the Word of God by the things that they say and the way that they act, the way that they you know, even respond. You can tell. Um, the Word of God is not just a, a rule book that you get answers and then you put it away or you crack it open whenever you, you need to reference something. The Word of God is sharp, and it changes, and it dwells, and it lives inside of us, and it's true. The Word of God is so much. um, There there are people who are, anyone know what the word connoisseur means? It's French, so it's fancy. Um, The word connoisseur, somebody, an expert, uh, an aficionado, if you will, a you know, just someone who's, you know, more than a casual fan of, you know, someone who's a connoisseur is somebody who's kind of an expert in that field or just, you know, somebody who knows what they're talking about in that particular area. Uh, people are connoisseurs of food. I'm no connoisseur. I like food, but, you know, I'm not that picky. Some people, you know, they, 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 they just know all about everything, every single little thing, and, you know, they, they're connoisseurs of fine food. There, there are a lot of people in the world who are connoisseurs of fine wine. You know, they love, they, they, they love to drink, you know, wine, and it's just you know, kind of like a, you know, oh, it's just, you know, it's, with a hint of, you know, hint, hint of peach, you know. Dare, dare I say, you know, you know and they like, as if they can really tell, you know connoisseur. Um, Andrew is a connoisseur, and myself as well, but not on his level, of ranch sauce. 
stay in our lane, you know, <laughs> we're not that fancy. Uh, but every time I go to a restaurant anywhere with Andrew, Andrew is a connoisseur of ranch sauce. You know, he'll, uh, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll order it like he's never had anything else at most restaurants. You know, I'll try other stuff. I like Chick-fil-A sauce. I like this kind of sauce. I like different ones, you know. Uh, you know, it is true. You know? And we all kind of have stuff like that. You know, Ben's a big wings guy, so I don't know that he's that picky. But uh, Andrew is, you know, he, he's, he's a ranch connoisseur. And he knows what's good. What are the three best ranches in Dayton right now? Yeah, Ridgewood, which is, by the way, you know, a little place here, Ridgewood Cafe in Springfield. Longhorn Steakhouse. Probably O'Charlie's with the ranch. So those are Andrew's, that's Andrew's personal um, res- private reserve of ranch. And he knows what's good, he knows what's bad, and, you know, he, he knows the difference, and he knows where to go for it. Um, but here's the thing, and I am going somewhere. We need to be experts, connoisseurs, Um, people who know the difference between the truth of the word of God and righteous living and biblical living. We need to be uh, experts at that. We we need to be able to be like, "Mm, that that is smoky with a hint of heresy. I don't receive that. I don't believe that because that is not according to the word of God. And I am a reader. I am an aficionado. Like that's my thing actually. You know, like you want to, you want to talk about the reds. You go ask, you know, this guy, maybe Casey, I don't know about that, but you want to know what thus saith the Lord. And how I should live my life, and how, and, and what the you want to you want to have a discussion about human sexuality and how our, our current. Let me show you what the word says because I know what the Bible says about human sexuality. I know what the Bible says about the sanctity of life. I know what the Bible says about righteous living. I know what it says about you know standards of conduct and you know and forgiveness and and, and you know and, and personal you know and pride. I know what it says about these things because I am a connoisseur of the word. Now I don't say that in pride. I say that's what I desire to be. That's what I'm studying on. That's what I'm. I'm working on. I want to know what God says. I don't care about who has the best ranch nearly so much as I need to know what does the Word of God say about my life, about the situation, about, about how I should vote. I've never named a candidate, you know, in, in this church, or, or you know, and, and I won't, but I will preach the truth of God's Word and let the chips fall where they may. See, and whenever you are a connoisseur, whenever you are, you know, someone who is a, you know, a, a, an efficient or someone who loves the word, then all of a sudden you put on these, these word-like lenses and you start to see the world in a different way. The world through the context of the word. Amen? That's wisdom. That's understanding. And it's important. See, I know what's not right in life because I unlike everyone else, perhaps, can compare it to what is. That's important. Let me say that again. Compare everything to what I know is right and what the Word, what God says about how I should live, how I should act, how I should walk. Amen? Praise the Lord. Proverbs 2, 6 through 8 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. We need to establish where true wisdom comes from. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. James 3 and 17 through 18. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, 
take a little pause right there just in the middle of it so we don't lose the train of thought. But uh, wisdom that is from above is pure. Makes sense. Um, it's peaceable. Okay? It's willing to yield. Now, that one is not so intuitive. See, people who are real knowledgeable are right. And so they tell you that they're right, and they don't back up from telling you that you're right, and they'll be very glad to tell you how wrong they are because they're operating in knowledge, and they'll be brutal with it, they'll be forceful with it, they'll be, you know, manifest itself in that way. See, knowledge is one thing. It's the, it's, it's the, it's the revelation of a, of a fact or certain facts. Wisdom is, is God-given understanding about how to apply that and how to realize that knowledge. To realize means to make real, to make, to, to make actual, to make it work. Knowledge is not enough. The Pharisees had more knowledge than any of the disciples. Zero faith, zero forgiveness, zero love, zero, uh, zero grace, zero wisdom and how to apply it. Pharisees had all the knowledge in the world, but wisdom comes from God. Amen? It's important. See, it's, it's willing to yield sometimes. Wisdom doesn't always just force itself on in you in the situation and just cram it down your throat. There's a difference I'll get into in a minute uh, between you know, advice and counsel. Wisdom doesn't always just kick down the doors and line everybody out in that moment because wisdom knows that, uh, that wisdom should be sought after. That wisdom is, is not to be just thrown in the face of, every, of other people, but rather you, you have to guard it. You have to safeguard it. You have to use it correctly. Without partiality and without hypocrisy, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by all those who make peace. Again, wisdom is peaceable and lack in the area of wisdom. Amen? A lot of conflicts. So even abroad, even in our nation, these conflicts that, that arise and you know, that we pray for the peace of our nation, we pray for the peace of Israel, we pray for the peace of the whole world. But whenever people just apply knowledge on different sides of the, uh, of the battlefield or different sides of the argument, um, conflict ensues. But if someone will just have a little bit of wisdom and understanding and patience and seek peace, then uh, you'll find that a lot of the conflicts uh, can be resolved. Amen. And in our marriages, in our relationships as well. All wisdom, number one, all wisdom is rooted in the Word of God. Now, not all knowledge per se, but all wisdom is rooted in the word of God. I mean, like, you, I, 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 need to, I need to figure out what's going on with the starter on my car, and that's, uh, that, you know, the, the solenoid or whatever is wrong with it, that, that knowledge is not rooted necessarily in the word of God. Um, but, but all wisdom and true understanding is rooted in the word of God, and I would like to, I would like to talk about it, I'd like to prove that to you uh, if I can. Here's how I know that. Because without the revelation of what God's word says about things, there is no real context for the important things in life, for the valuable things in life. Without the understanding the revelation of the word of God and what he says, morality. What is morality? What is morality? Uh, morality is um, you know, your definition or your standards of what is right and what is wrong and what is permissible and what, it, what shouldn't be tolerated. We have... 
uh, certain laws you know, that, that enforce you know, a, a level of morality in this country. You can't just go kick in the, the door and steal from somebody or go sneak and take their stuff. That's, that's theft. You know, that's breaking and entering. That's theft, and you'll be punished because it's morally wrong. Well, here's the thing. Without the word of God, then you can go to a village that I was reading about not so very long ago um, where you were celebrated. If you could steal something else from your neighbor without him knowing, it became your possession, and, and he would you know, kind of slap your hand and just be like, okay, well, you actually managed to do that, and that's okay. You counted coup, basically, is what they would have called, like, in the old, you know, American Indians, you know, there, there was, you know, a, a certain level of that. Like, if you could, you know, if you were stronger, then you could dispossess somebody of their stuff. I mean, you, you had all of these, you know, all these, you know, horse archers and you know, people of the steppe, and then uh, if you could dispossess a man of that stuff, well, that was yours by right of, you know, the common morality of that place, of that society. You operated within the bounds of it. So here's the thing. That was not against the rules. That was the rules. Therefore, it was not um, immoral. You know, there, there, are, there are laws that are in this country that are not in another country. You know, my, fa- my go-to is, uh, is, of course, because you had so many guys who's like, I am, you know, I am Colonel, what, you know, whatever, Commandant, you know, and I, yes, I was in charge of the concentration camp at Auschwitz, but I was following orders from my designated government. So how can you convict me of doing wrong? Because I was doing what I was told. I was doing, you know, and without a higher level of morality, how do you do that? Because like, well, you do what's right in your country because you have laws. Well, we have laws too, and we were doing what was right in ours. So what gives you the right to judge me? So at some point, if you really believe in right and wrong, you're going to have to find an ultimate source, an ultimate code, an, a, 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 a perfect example of morality for human living and interaction. Without that, let me tell you, church, we are in darkness. So the word of God is so important because there's literally nothing wrong or right without an ultimate, tangible, understandable source of right and wrong. Like I said, in Nazi Germany, why, were, why was it wrong? Well, because we say it was, and that's just our version. What about their society? Doesn't that count for anything? Why was slavery wrong? You know, if, if it was not, well, we believe that, that all people are created equal. In the, in, the, in, in the image of God. And it's an abomination. Slavery was an abomination, but, but it wasn't against the law. So by the same argument, I mean, morality, without the understanding of God's word and the application, in the, it's got to come from somewhere. And it can't be legislated by us. Because in the end, if we get enough selfish people who vote, it doesn't just become right. You can't legislate morality. And that's a problem with the American church. We want to see prayer in schools uh, without prayer in our homes. You don't legislate righteousness to a country. You live it. And then it flows out from that. I would love to see, I would love to see you know, everybody living right and in harmony and peace, loving one another and respecting each other. But that's not going to happen until we are the source of that kind of living, that kind of righteousness. Amen. Um, number two, wealth and blessing. So we did morality. Now wealth and blessing. See, without the word of God, you're, you're not really going to truly have the wisdom to understand a real wealth in this world, real blessings in this world. And the reason why is without understanding the trade deficit of heaven and hell, there's no real wisdom to be had. 
I mean trade deficit. Well, I mean that if you spend all of your energy and all of your life building things, making money, um, having the, you know, the, the best and the best of everything, and you're doing so well fiscally, you know, financially, like you're, well, that's, that, that's fine, and you have a huge house, and you have, you know, uh, you know, lake houses, and you just really, you know, and you've helped out with nonprofits, and, you know, you, you built a well and wherever, and you're, you're doing so good and all those things. But here's the thing. Unless you understand that there is a life beyond this life and that you have stored up treasure in heaven, you've really done yourself a huge disservice. If you haven't really helped others with all that wealth, if you just hoarded it to yourself and you haven't really made a difference in the lives of those around you and those who are less fortunate than you, you haven't really made the world a better place for anyone except for you, you didn't use that wealth well. But that's the context of the Word of God talking. Saying, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth moth nor dust can corrupt. Furthermore, um, there's a a wonderful story Jesus tells about uh, a rich man and a poor man. And this rich man's name, um, you know, or Lazarus is the poor man's name. But the rich man, he had everything that I was just talking about, everything in the world. And uh, he would just kind of throw some crumbs here and there to the poor guy. The poor guy was in bad shape. He had, you know, ulcers and sores all over his body. And, uh, And so one night they both died. Lazarus, you know, the poor guy, he, he goes and he's in heaven, you know, or, or you know, he's in Abraham's bosom. So he's, he's in a good place in the afterlife. And then you see the rich man is tormented in a lake of beggar. That nasty poor beggar who was so dirty and covered in sores. Let him stick his, what I would have said, his nasty fingers into a cup of water and just give me a couple drops to cool my tongue because I'm tormented in this flame. And it doesn't happen because that decision needed to be made before not after. And so we see this guy, he didn't have anything on earth, this poor beggar, but in eternity, he had had wealth, he had riches, he had peace, he had joy, he had blessing. And meanwhile, this other guy who's so wealthy and rich and has all the comforts of life afterwards, he, he ends up in a terrible, terrible place. So I say again, when it comes to wealth and blessing, without the understanding of the trade deficit between heaven and hell, there's no wisdom. There's not. All wisdom is rooted in the word of God. Thirdly, and lastly in this part, relationships. The only right and ultimately fulfilling and healthy relationships are within the narrow confines of scripture. And they're proved by science and sociology alike. Without understanding what God's will is, what the nuclear family looks like, his design, which is evident you know, in biology, I don't want to be crude here than a lot of college professors, apparently. It's biology. Yeah, I don't want to be crude, but, but you know, the, the, life can't even continue unless you do it God's way. You know, it's that, you know, and I'm not being crude. I'm not being cruel. I'm just saying uh, biology itself declares that. You know, if, if it's, you know, it's, it's being done in a way that, that is not you know, biologically correct. It's not you know, correct according to the word of God. And there, there's a way that God has set up um, for his children to live with peace, with joy, with understanding, you know, with healthy relationships that you know, mutually are beneficial um, you know, to them and to their children. And I got a word for, uh, for anyone who is here who's trying to raise uh, children. Um, 
on your own, whether it's because, uh, you know, you've had to walk through a divorce or whether you've had to walk through, um, you know, be, becoming a widow or a widower. I'm gonna minister to you real quick if that's okay. Okay, I got a word for you. Now we know that statistically, we can, and this, I'm not talking opinion right now, this is statistically, that children um, who come from a nu- intact nuclear family um, have a better chance pretty much across the board to succeed. And that's just numbers talking, it's not really me, it's just, you know, it, 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 if there's a father in the home and a mother in the home. Um, however, I have a word for you today, my friend. He is a father to the fatherless. And I rebuke the hand of the devourer over that family, over that life, because God will not allow there to be a deficit. If you will seek him, if you will walk in his ways, if you will do your best, if you will, if you will execute uh, you know, biblical living and teaching to the best of your abilities, God will fill the gap. And you don't have to worry. He is a father to the fatherless. He is a friend to those who are lonely. He's a healer to those who are broken. There, I, I speak this in the name of Jesus. There will not be a deficit because he will fill that void. Amen. He'll fill it however he sees fit to fill it. But you, don't, don't you worry. Amen. Morality. Wealth and blessing, relationships, all of these will find uh, the, the truth of where they should be. They'll bless our lives whenever we identify them and we live them according to the word of God. Number two, wisdom is hard to come by. Proverbs 18 and 15, Proverbs 18 and 15 says, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge. In the ear of the wise, see wisdom and, and, and worthwhile knowledge. That doesn't always just appear. That doesn't just pop out of nowhere. Those things you actually have to seek out a little bit. Um, and here's what I mean by that. God just gave me this little, little revelation for something I was walking through um, this past week. Um, lies, lies come to you. They seek you out. You know? I never had to ask to be lied to. Did you? Have you ever had to ask someone to lie to you? No, they, they do it. They, they, you know, we've all been there at some point or another. You, know, you have people in your life like, you know, there's, they, especially, you know, people who just, you know, compulsive liars, just like every, every time in the world. And just, because it's a, it's a sickness. It's a sin, honestly. Whenever you get that lying spirit on you, my friend, uh, you can't even help yourself. Next thing you know, you're, you're, you're lying about stuff don't even matter. I'll just be like, yeah, I was getting gas the other day, and I got it for, you know, for 216 a gallon. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got it for you. I got it right down the road for, for 205. Liar. And no reason why. I know I know, it didn't because I went there first. You never did no such thing. But, but that spirit, I'm telling some of you parents know what I'm talking about. That spirit of the liar gets on them, and, and it's just like you, know, you can't even help yourself. That's another way you can identify the work of the enemy because sometimes that spirit gets on people, and it starts to bind them up. And instead of just you know, mocking them or being irritated, well, you need to rebuke that spirit you know, of, of dishonesty, of lying. Yes, they'll lie about something that could never benefit them or me, but it just, boom, just happens. I've seen it. See, lies come to you. You don't have to seek lies. You don't have to seek bad information. You don't have to seek wrong stuff. Oh man, if I, if I took every bit of advice on how to, on how to you know, uh, raise puppies or whelp puppies, 
Yeah. People will come out, you know, with, with, with bad advice. You know, if I had to do that, you know, about the Word of God, you know, and people say, "Oh, you didn't know what that meant." Somebody not read the Word of God in their life, but then, you know, they, they want to come in and kind of you know, tell you like the, the one snippet of a scripture out of context that's going to reign over the whole rest of the Bible and what it stands for. That's true. Lies come to you. They come at you. And sometimes they come after you one after another. One after, you have to be um, understanding. You have to be wise. You have to be, here's the word, discerning on what you believe and what you receive. So you need to get in your word of God and say, what did pastor say about that? Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe you know, I need to ask him what he really meant by that because that, I, I that's not exactly what it says over here. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to be right. I want to be right with God more than I want to be right in an argument. This is not necessarily true, but it's advice from an old timer. Told me, if somebody tells you how much money they make when they first meet you, they're lying about it. Because that's not the voice of wisdom. That's not the voice of wisdom. That's not, that, that's ignorant. You know, that's, you know, unless it's like a special circumstance. You know, and if someone comes to you and bragging about that kind of stuff. Here's the, here's the thing, if you're a note taker. Advice is offered. Counsel is sought after. I'm telling you what, um, if, if, if somebody is a really, really, really good, you know, financier, you know, they, they know what's going on with the market, they know how to make money, uh, they don't offer you advice. You go and talk to them and you set an appointment and they, and they tell you what's going on, but that, that is precious knowledge. Don't yell that from the street. You know, if someone has true and precious knowledge, um, a lot of, they're not the type of person who just yells it at everybody who will listen. The louder a person is, the more ignorant, almost always. Advice is offered. Counsel is sought after. And here's my little saying. An ounce of counsel is worth a pound of advice. Be careful who you let speak into your life. And certainly what you receive. I mean, they can speak what they want. But be careful what you receive and what you allow to change the, your mindset and the way that you look at things. Be discerning about that. Truth has to be pursued. Proverbs 4, 5 says this, get wisdom, get understanding, which means you got to get it. It's not just understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom. She will protect you. Wisdom will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, though it costs you all you have. There's nothing that you can get that's, that's more important than, than wisdom and understanding because all the other stuff, you know, I know some, I know people and I, I can be people who can spend every dime that I get. You can give me a million dollars and if I want to be ignorant, then, you know, then I can spend that today. Not only that, I can use it as a down payment for something I'll never be able to afford. I feel sorry for some of these young kids coming out of, out of the combine, you know, out of the NFL draft. And you, know, you got a big $2 million signing bonus and you got you know, $3 million more in guaranteed money over the next two years. So they go out and they spend $18 million on credit in the first, and then they get an ACL injury and it's over. And it's tragic. And, you know, all that, what you think, you know, what could I do with $2 million? Man, I, I would never have to work again. I'll tell you exactly what I would do with it. I'll pay off all my debt, pay off my house, and then I'll put the rest of it in a... Uh, you know, in, in an account, you know, with the Charles Schwab, and then I would have seventy thousand every year to live off of them until then, and then, you know, I would just la 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 la, pay my tithes and be in good shape. That's what I would do in the night if I had two million dollars. But this guy, he went out and bought, you know, you know, a nine hundred thousand dollar, you know, watch. So the thing is, 
the way that you operate. It'll change the way that you take advantage of situations. It'll change, you won't do stupid things because you can't, I mean, you can't give somebody, an ignorant person, enough money. You can't give a, a spinthrift, here's a little word for you, enough money. But you can for someone who's wise and who will make the right decisions. And it'll be a whole lot less than you think. Amen. Get wisdom. The reason why um, wisdom and foolishness, counsel and advice, um, why, why there's such a paradox there, why it's such a, a dichotomy, is because truth has to be pursued. Young people, who else here in high school still? You're in high school. You're in high school. All right, all right. Okay, so you're all yet in high school. And let me tell you, you maybe you'll know whether or not I am, you can prove me right or wrong on this. Um, whenever you're doing a test, you're taking a test in school, um, there are a million wrong answers for every right one. Yeah, unless it's multiple choice, in which case there's still three to four usually. You can always go with C and win in doubt. Um, yeah, see? At least you got something that was applicable today. But here's the thing. Um, in testing, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wrapping up here, but whenever it comes to tests, there are a million wrong, if you have to fill in the blank, you know, when, you know, Come on, somebody. You, you got it. You got the right. You got, which one? 15 what? Oh, no, no, no. You're way off. 1588. Who knows that? It doesn't matter. Uh, 1588 is when the Spanish Armada sailed and whenever England became a huge nation. You don't need to know. But here's what my point is. You can have a million wrong answers for every right one. And now I'm going to bring this. I'm trying to try and land this thing. I'm going to bring this home to us and why we really need the word of God in our lives. Because in life, there are a million wrong answers for every right one. That's important stuff for me. Like, I don't know, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what to, I don't know how to lead my family in the right way. And, and to, I don't know how to you know, discipline you know, my, my kids. I don't, I don't know about my investments. I don't know about relationships. I don't know how to do life without God. I don't. Maybe you think you do, but here's the thing. Also, I've never had to ask for bad advice in my life. I didn't want you to leave without that, and you haven't either. I've never had to ask for bad advice, but I have had to ask for counsel, for good advice. Amen. See, there are, there, there's a really good story, and I'll give it to you, although it doesn't apply, and then we'll wind it back. Okay, so, you know, uh, Thomas Alva Edison. Exactly. So Thomas Edison invented this light bulb, and um, he had an assistant while they were working on it because, you know, the technology was brand new, and they're trying to figure out how to do it. And every single one of these to craft took like two and a half weeks just to make, you know, finally he figured out it shouldn't be tubular, but it should be like, you know, a, you know, a different shape. It should have like a, more of a globe, you know, to the end of it so it was able to hold the energy. But, um, you know, his poor assistant, they were bringing it up. You know, it took two weeks to craft the thing, and his, this little guy is bringing it, you know, getting ready to go, and then uh, drops it and breaks it. Two weeks of hard work for, for Edison. And so, and you know, he probably just wanted to die. I would. But instead, they just didn't say anything. They went back to work. Two weeks later, they had a new one, and he put it in the same little guy's hands and said, now take it back up there. He did not drop it that time. God does that with the precious gifts in our lives sometimes even though you think he would never give us another opportunity. So receive that 
But Edison had a saying about, uh, about all his failed experiments because he had a lot. Um, he said, and I paraphrase, we now know 999 things that won't work, but we only need to know one thing that will. Ways that don't work are a great way to discover the incandescent monofilament light bulb. And I also say to you that that is a garbage way to build a marriage. That is a garbage way to parent. That is a terrible way to operate a ministry. And here's why. This is where we're gonna end, right here. Um, whenever you live your life outside of the confines of God's word, you reduce your life to the status of an experiment. You don't know. You don't know. You think you know. You don't know. I don't know. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know. You know are you, are you going to come down with some, some terrible sickness? I, I speak against that in Jesus' name, but you don't know. You know is there going to be a car accident? Is, there, you know, is the place that you work and you've worked for years going to shut down? There's a big lawsuit going on because nobody knew, but that one guy got into the pension and he spent all the money. It's not there. So there's a lawsuit going on, but what can we do? I don't know. You're sunk. No, I just, I, I didn't mean to speak doubt into your life, but I just kind of spoke something to somebody to where you, you need to look to God first and foremost. He's the real provider because stuff happens. My poor buddy switched insurance on his vehicle, got it totaled, gone. It happens. So here's the thing. There is safety in the word of God. There is safety in living for God because you know that you have inherited a promise that you can sleep on. You can tuck it under your pillow and you can say this, all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You don't get that kind of a money back guarantee from anyone else or anywhere else. No matter how smart you are, no matter how wise, no matter in the, in the ways of the world, no matter who you are, no matter how experienced you are, things change. This world is malleable. But I can tell you this, all things work together. Let me give you maybe three pieces of armor. All things work together for good. Okay, so we got that one. Um, you are, your eternal destiny is secure as you follow Jesus Christ and you stay in the palm of his hand. The word of God says nothing shall separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And it goes on and lists stuff because he knows you won't believe him. You won't think it through. He says, famine, starvation, peril, um, persecution. You know, and I'm paraphrasing it. Um, you know, and the list goes on and on and on. I think, and I think I could add to it. You know, loneliness, desperation, hurt. Un, you know, every you follow God and you live in the constraints of His will. So I'm going to give you that that one that word one more time. Why do I believe that the Word of God is paramount in my life? Why do I believe that I should live according to it and that without it, um, I'm just out here flying blind? And I don't want to. I've got too much to live for. i got too much going on to live that way. There's too much that can go wrong. So, But let me tell you, my friend, whenever you choose to live outside the confines of the Word of God, you reduce your life to the status of an experiment. And 99% of experiments fail. percent of experiments fail 
That's why they're experiments. They're being done by somebody who doesn't know. You don't know, but God does. 